This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the greatest coffee, culture, and Christian-based podcast on your iPhone or your MP3 player or your phone of choice right now. Wow, that, that's a great introduction. It's very specific, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that one before. No, nobody has. Nobody actually. probably expected that. Not until that. right now. Yeah, look yeah. at that. Well, <laughs> hey, welcome to Christ Culture and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashwa. I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Yes, and what is up, you guys? Yeah, and we are excited about talking about uh, worldview again. We're in this worldview series. Today, we're going to be hitting on postmodernism. What is postmodernism, and how has it really crept into our culture? And honestly, it's changing a lot of things. Yeah, it is. And like we said, uh, we're this is still in the seven worldview questions series, so we're going to be tackling those questions through this episode as well mm-hmm. from this philosophical perspective, but it is a worldview, so we are treating it as such, and we're going to be breaking it down for you guys and hopefully make sense of it. Yes. Now, before we jump into postmodernism, uh, if you're new to the show, we start every show, except maybe two, actually. I yeah. think I think but every show we've started with a coffee yeah. tip. That's the coffee portion of our show. And today's coffee tip comes from Tyler Hurley. Tyler, what is the coffee tip? Yes, this is a very interesting coffee tip. A lot of people already know this, but for those of you who don't, this is important for you to know. Uh, it's actually about espresso shots and using them right when you make it. Because there's a, actually something that's interesting is if you use an espresso machine to make your coffee at home, you need to remember to use it immediately after brewing it. And the reason for this is because say you're making a latte or drinking espresso shots alone by itself, time is of the essence because a dead espresso shot has a lot more bitter taste to it than a fresh espresso shot. And what happens is a shot can die very quickly Hmm. if you leave it. Because when the way that a brewing espresso works is that it's an extremely hot temperature, Mm -hmm. way hotter than it is just your normal coffee, than just normal coffee grounds. And what it's essentially doing is if you leave it too long in the hot water that brewed through it, which is just in its current state, it burns the shot and then it becomes a dead shot and loses mm. its flavor, loses a lot of the stuff that you tend to want with your espresso. And so the key to that is to make sure that you have something on hand immediately once you make the shot to add to it. Um, the flavor will be dramatically different. So the tip for today is to drink your espresso or mix it into your latte as soon as possible. Otherwise, you won't get the right taste behind that's it it'd be a fun experiment too to like make one and drink it right away oh, and then make yeah. another one let it sit for a minute or two and then try it and see the difference in yeah taste. yeah and well there's a lot of places that you uh like there's a lot of coffee shops that i've heard of that are out there mm-hmm. that sometimes if uh the person doesn't know what they're doing the barista doesn't know what they're doing they can end up burning the shot and your coffee will taste terrible yeah well even if they let it sit a long time it gets uh mm. it gets dead it gets yeah. weird because yeah you got to use it immediately whether it's drinking it straight yeah. or mixing it into milk it's well, not like if you mix it in it'll go yeah. bad if you mix it in right away it's good and if you notice that like um coffee shops they'll pull the espresso and they'll have the milk ready they do right away yeah, to put if you it watch in. them make it and then yep. not only that i've even heard of people who <clears throat> want to like just have a straight espresso shot but it's either like too hot or something like that but they they don't want to add like cream or anything mm-hmm. i know that pe- there's people that just add a little bit of water to it 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, like it, it might dilute it like slightly, but it's immediately cooling it so that yeah. way it doesn't burn and you still get the flavor and everything. True. It, so. If you want to be hardcore though, you just you suck that thing down right when it comes oh, out I'm of the sure, machine. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. You burn your mouth, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you feel it all the way that's down. That's the best taste, the burnt mouth <laughs> And then you can't taste. taste anything ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep, and that's fine. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, and I don't want to have a dead shot, man. That's the way to do heck it. Heck no. Drink it fast. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get into the meat of the show on postmodernism um, and this worldview. And again, like Tyler said, we're going to go through the seven basic questions. And um, a great book, I mean, I can't recommend it highly enough, is James Sire's book, The Universe Next Door. It's in its fifth edition. You can get it on Amazon. It is phenomenal. Highly recommend The Universe Next Door by James Sire. Um, and that's where we've got these seven basic questions from. That's his template yeah. in the book. And so let's uh, analyze postmodernism and then uh, run it through the grid of the seven basic questions. So um, postmodernism begins with the premise that God is dead. So it's really, some people will call it like the last philosophy or the last play for modernism. So what happened, just really quick history, is um, theism (laughs) was kind of ruling the day in Western culture. And then uh, the Renaissance happened, and then a little bit later, um, so through the Renaissance, deism developed, which is, there's a God who made stuff, but he took off, and he doesn't really care about us. Yeah. And we can do whatever we want and figure it out. And then uh, Darwin came along and gave a plausible mechanism for why we don't need a God to have started everything. So pretty much all deists at that point become atheists. Because they just were holding on to God as the first cause. Yeah. And now they don't need it. And so then atheism or naturalism develops this idea that God is dead. Nietzsche comes along and he explains, man, if you really realize what that means, everything is nothingness. Everything is purposelessness, yeah. right? Purposeless. And um, and so he develops nihilism, which is nothingism, right? Nil, nothing, uh, which is super depressing philosophy. And then after that, there were people who believed it but said, man, we can't really buy that so so they became atheistic existentialists who said, we know we're all going to nothing, but we're going to try really hard to make purpose of our life. So it's like uh, wishful thinking nihilism. And then yeah. postmodernism kind of developed on top of that. So yes. it's, it's, it's really a, a chain right. of events here of thought. But the, but the premise of it is naturalism or nihilism. Yeah, and God's postmodernism kind of uh, fills in the gaps in those philosophical holes that they were trying to to make between dealing with the struggle of well there was there a god who started everything and then the deistic idea mm-hmm. with, with the deistic idea and then Nietzsche you know coming in and saying creating the nihilistic view yeah. they can't really buy into either so they're trying to be somewhere in the middle yeah. so that's kind of what happens here is over time they have to kind of compensate for those ideas and postmodernism gets mixed into that yeah postmodernism really was an effort to explain knowledge based mm. on a godless universe. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's a big thing. So what happens is when society loses God, uh, the being on whom everything else in society is based, it loses all substance and value and meaning, mm. right? Uh, everything else is, is lost. And that's what Nietzsche said. So let's talk about postmodernism specifically. So the term postmodernism... Um, we hear it used all of the time, right? But but where did it come from? What is it? Well, right. it's really weird because the first time it came about was actually in regards to architecture. So this really? type postmodern architecture takes old <laughs> and new techniques and like mismashes them together. 
uh, synchronizes them uh, so that the, it's it's basically just an artistic expression. So they'll take functionality of old techniques and mix it with new techniques to make art that's not functional for the building they're building. Yeah. And, and so you see postmodern art popping up like in the 1950s as a style, um, but it's a non-functional style. And so these types of buildings, obviously, art, art's cool, and, and they're meant to be artistic and, and aesthetically appealing. Right, yeah. Um, but they weren't functional. And so you, in art, you started to see this develop um, where people would um, rename things. So there's this famous... <laughs> um, this famous art project from 1917 by this man named Duchamp. That's not his real word. A real, real name. Yeah. Name, yeah. Um, or, yeah. I yeah. No, that is his real name. Sorry about that. In 1917, he basically, this guy bought a urinal from a plumber. He didn't do anything to it artistically except <laughs> paint on it um, fountain. And so think about, think about what he's doing. (laughs) He's taking a word, he's taking a thing that's function is to collect urine and he renames it fountain. You should drink from this. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre art, but the idea is we can attribute meaning to things, uh, and our words or our story of a thing can become the reality. That's kind of the the history behind it. The expression it. that they're yeah, going for, so, yeah. So you see this a lot in art, um, but then it starts developing into literature. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> postmodern literature is it's funny because basically what they are, are saying and pushing is that uh, the text of an author, like if somebody writes a book, um, the things that the person writes don't have any objective meaning but the book becomes meaningful to the individual who reads it and they interpret it the way they want to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, so that's postmodern literature. It's words on a page. You read it and it becomes true to you in how you understand it. Aside from what the guy meant by it, who wrote it. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. Yeah. I always, uh, I like to play this trick on people when they're arguing this way. I say, okay, so, you know, let's read a postmodern work. Okay, what's your favorite postmodern work? Oh, this one. Okay, I, I, I read it, and then I go, oh, that's cool. He believes Jesus is God and that everyone should believe in him too. And they go, that's not what he said. I said, it doesn't matter what he said. It matters how I interpret it as I read it. See, and nobody will it's go with that, Tyler. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, no, but nobody will actually go with that, right? Yeah, of course. And so it, it's really, it's, it's, it's a funny uh, view of the world, um, but it does get down to the philosophy behind it. And so that's what you, you want to talk about. Yeah, of where, course. Where did this idea come from? How did this happen? Yeah, so this kind of started... Uh, Kind of getting like further back, we know a lot of you from may know from the, this classic statement, right? I think, therefore, I am by yeah. Descartes. Descartes, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is where this philosophy kind of turned for Nietzsche. He took the opposite of that. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Like Descartes, when saying "I think, therefore, I am," he is implying that if we seek to doubt everything we know, we can doubt everything except the fact that we are doubting. Yes, which means I'm a thing that's there because I'm the doubter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I think or I doubt. Obviously, I yeah, I know it gets a little confusing because yeah. it's. Uh, it, but if you're tracking with that, it makes sense because he's saying that that is reality, right? That's because that's, you can't doubt that you're doubting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so we can then conclude that we must exist because we are doubting 
that and that cannot be doubted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's a really it's a really cool thought experiment. Exactly, yes. And so Nietzsche took this notion and he posed this question with that, that idea. Mm-hmm. He said, what if it is the thinking that creates or causes the I and not the I that creates the thinking? Meaning, what if the activity of thinking does not require an agent, but instead creates the illusion of an agent? What if there is only thinking? Now, that's weird to think about. It is, yes. And right? now, it, now, to kind of like break this down to like help it make sense, I hope I didn't lose any of you guys out there. Essentially, what he's saying is it, it's like the Matrix, right? It's yeah. like he's implying that it is possible that everything we are thinking is just thought. Thought is just there. And we don't actually exist. Reality, yeah. yeah. It's just your thoughts creating reality. Yeah. Meaning by saying, I think therefore I am, maybe that doesn't, that's not evidence that you actually are. Yeah. It's just evidence that you think. That thinking is happening and the yeah. thinking creates the you. So the, the big terms for this in mm-hmm. philosophy would be, um, Descartes said through thinking, through knowing, right, epistemology, mm-hmm. I can ground my ontology, my existence, my being. And Nietzsche flipped it and said, no, maybe our ontology spins out of our epistemology. Mm, yes. It's that's very that's interesting. What it is. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, and it is like the Matrix. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, it is like yeah. the Matrix, but it's, it's worse. It'd be like if the Matrix was real, but Neo wasn't in a... You know, you're right. He's not even solution. He's not even there it's with electrodes in his the brain. The computer and everything happening is the reality, but there's no like physical. There's no being. There's just. There's not even thing. a computer. It's just what's happening. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's a very counterintuitive yeah. philosophy. <laughs> Correct. However, it has leaked down into popular culture, and we're, we're going to talk about how it's playing out actually right now in 2021. Um, but that is kind of where it's come from and how it's developed. And so let's go through the seven basic questions to give more of a definition of what postmodern thought is and then we'll talk about its deficiencies as a worldview yes exactly so um, right off the bat the postmodernists would say that the way we have set up the seven basic questions is in the wrong order so the the typical way that these are answered is number one you start with what's ultimate reality right to a christian it's god to an atheist it's nature uh, to a, a Muslim, it's a law, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they would say, no, 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 this is out of order. So we would say ultimate reality is question number one. Question number two is what's the nature of the universe? Question number three is what is a human being? Question number four is what happens to us at death? Question number five is how can we know anything? Question number six is what's right and wrong? And question mm-hmm. number seven is what's the purpose of all human history? Yes. They would say we are completely out of order on that because mm-hmm. you have to start with <laughs> thinking. Exactly. We have to start with the premise that thinking creates everything else. So we have to jump to question five to start. Yes, exactly. And I'm going to touch on that because, and this is important that we understand that that's like why they would argue that question five is where we start with this. Because question five, again, we just said it, is why is it possible to know anything at all? Yep. Right? And well, the thing to think about with that is because if you put the other questions ahead, like what is ultimate reality, mm-hmm. the postmodernists would argue, well, how is it possible to know that there even is an ultimate reality? Yeah, you have so to start with like thinking. That. Exactly. Yep. So from their philosophy and their mindset, you have to start with question number five. Epistemology to prior to ontology. Exactly. Is the big philosophical yeah, yeah. term. Yeah. I'm glad you went back to that because yep. that's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. 
So again, question number five, why is it possible to know anything at all? We can't. We only know that which is based on language and stories is the postmodern idea. You can't really know anything for sure. You can't. You can't. But we have stories and we mm -hmm. have we have language. Yes, exactly. And the, the with that too, there's the meta narrative uh, does not exist, and anyone holding on to their meta narrative is the ultimate truth. It, meaning, explaining all their stories is under an illusion. So everything yes. that's just happening, it's all illusion. Like it, it's just. Yeah, well, they would say that because, like, as Christians, like, this is where they'll attack Christianity. They'll say, listen, you guys think that the big meta narrative that explains reality is creation, fall, mm. redemption, eternity. And we would say, yeah, that's the big story that everything fits under. Yeah. And they would say, listen, there is no big story everything fits under. Exactly. There's little That's stories and each culture tells their own story and each culture has their own language and each culture creates their own truth, mm -hmm. which isn't objective, it's subjective, through language and story. So, and yeah, and yeah, believing that there's one story to rule them all is the worst thing you could believe. It's so untrue. It's illusory. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And that's, that's the, that's kind of getting at the core of their philosophy here as mm -hmm. we keep going. And then, uh, another part of what they believe is that nothing that we think we know can actually be checked against reality. We can't because it would always go through the grid of our thinking, which is what creates reality, right? What, yeah. Back to what we talked about with yeah. Nietzsche, how he said that um, it's basically our thinking that creates reality. Well, yeah, so like do a thought experiment. So we got this table here, right? Yeah. I, I am touching the table. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing the table. I could yeah. lick it. I could taste the table, right? <laughs> sure. If you I really can hear the to, table yeah. when I knock, right? So, but, but, but he would say, listen, you think that that table is actually there out in the real world, but the whole filter it's running through is your thinking. Mm. Even your senses are running through your thinking. And so you can't actually know if it's <clears> out there because all you have to go off of is thinking. Yeah, and then with that that whole mindset of thinking, they also get into uh, even philosophical debate, like with discussing this sometimes too. They'll say all language is a human construct and we yep. cannot determine truthfulness only usefulness, which is interesting when you mm -hmm. really think about that. But that's that's what they that's what they believe. Yeah, they say that our, our language, the way we talk, the way we discuss things, it's also just a a construct. That yeah, doesn't, but it's it's weird, Tyler, because yeah, they shouldn't say like if they really believed what they are saying, they shouldn't say that all human language is a construct and we can't determine truthfulness. We can only determine usefulness. They should say we create usefulness mm. you see the problem there yeah, that's they're acting what they, like they're discovering if you're something. being consistent they would have to yeah. yeah but if there's nothing actually out there it's just your thinking then it's not determining or discovering usefulness it's creating you that's absolutely right? true yeah yeah and so that that's something uh, again that we're gonna continue diving into this more but you'll continue to see uh this kind of break down in yep. that way um, and then lastly with this idea um, is that they believe that truth is what we can get our communities to do. And we do this through using language. No one's story or truth is better or worse than anyone else's relativism, mm -hmm. which is ironic because, again, we just talked about that the idea about human language is that it's a construct and you can't yep. determine. Yet they also use human language as a construct to determine morality and uh, and truth objectively not mm -hmm. even just moral but philosophical truth objective truth mm -hmm. uh well 
they say that the only way to do that is through communities, through culture, through yep. society as a whole coming together. Like you said earlier about what they would say about Christianity is that it's a compilation of all these ideas through cultures and time going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what, how we came to this place. Yeah. So, and they yeah. would say that it's a good story. And, uh, and the story of Christianity has gotten people across different languages and across different cultures to do a lot of things. But it's a real strong story, but we can't know if it's really true. Well, and then the other part with that is how, and you're right. I've actually even heard people. So it's true who for you, this. but it's not true for me. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's this idea. Exactly. And well, I've even heard people use that exact argument. They would say that they're like, yeah, Christianity, it's a great story. And it does like a lot of people have gotten good use out of it. But mm -hmm. the other factor that I think about with that too, is they're also defeating their own ideas and thinking that because there, what defines good use? What defines like, Hey, it's a good story. Like all these things come into yeah. play. It's like, none of it matters. Really. Well, they don't, they don't even care if it's good in the sense of it makes sense. They care if it, you can mobilize people to act. Sure. Yeah. So, so Hitler told a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mao has told, has told a good story. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Fidel Castro told a good story. A good story. Not meaning morally, but a good meaning a good compelling one that people that bought into. mobilized people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But, but the interesting fact with all this, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, right. but yeah, yeah. But the fact that they were in a certain culture that had abandoned God's existence and then developed this idea, they act as if that's legit. Yeah, it's and it's, it's like so wait a second, strange. you're you're also a victim of your culture and the stories you've been telling. Exactly, and and, you know what? <laughs> and that's where it's starting to get into the other worldview questions, right? So yes. so let's continue on to this. Let's, okay. So next, Robbie, you're going to talk about question number three. Yeah. So let's okay. So you start with question five, like you yep. did. Why is it possible to know anything? Well, we can't. Right. Um, question number three: What is a human being? Um, they would say the, the philosophy is there's not really a substantial self. Uh, we make ourselves who we are by the language we construct about ourselves. Um, so yeah. if, if all we think about it, if all we can do is tell stories based upon humanly constructed language, because mm -hmm. they, they, they even get into language is nothing. It's just sounds that we've agreed upon. Uh, refer to table. Yeah, that's just yeah. a sound, Robbie. So we're creating reality. That's that's where they get to. Right. We create reality with these sounds. So if all we do is tell stories based upon language we've made up, why doesn't uh, total anarchy break out? Because what if you started using broccoli to refer to a table? And what if I my know. kids started referring to a table as chocolate? We would not know what each other are talking about, right? Sure. So this would be just insanity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the question is why isn't it just crazy? And they would say, well, in reality, anybody could do what they actually want to do. That's true. Anybody could do whatever. But the reason it doesn't all go insane is because people actually believe these small stories and they function as if these stories were true. So including we're themselves who yeah, are saying this, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the funny part. Well, they would they believe would, that. Well, it's it's like they they, they kind of are tongue in cheek with it because they're acting like the, their reality is true for everybody else, which I thought was a big no no in their yeah. philosophy. So yeah, it gets that's where it gets weird, and we'll talk about that. But mm -hmm. they would say that in English, we've all believed the same story that the sound table means this type of thing. Yeah. And that's why anarchy hasn't break. We've all agreed upon using that 
or believed that that's what you're supposed to call it. Yeah, that's right. what we'd be because we're we've grown up speaking English, right? So that's why uh, these these stories function uh, well because people believe they're true. Mm-hmm. So there are a whole group of people who believe the same stories, and what that results in is stable communities. Yeah, right. Now, my question is this. If that's true, then the person who comes along acting as if there's a moral superior way and saying, no, we've got to strive to do this and tells a strong story that goes against the culture, that's like the worst person in the world, right? Yeah, for sure. Because it's, <laughs> it's destabilizing the community. Yeah, yeah. So now, okay, so that's who Martin Luther... Martin uh, Luther King King was. Yeah, he absolutely was. But wait a second. We all act as if that was good. And the reason is because it actually was good. Mm -hmm. Because there is a God and people are intrinsically valuable. It's not just about which stories we tell that are stronger. But if you believe this, you would say he was destabilizing uh, agreed upon uh, story. He was. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and that's the thing. And so... uh, it's interesting when you really break this down. And I even thought, like, as you were describing this idea um, just a minute ago about as far as like language too, right? Mm-hmm. Like even thinking of that, like earlier when you were talking about that, we have these agreed upon words that table is the agreed upon word mm-hmm. that we're using. But if other people were calling it bro- like that example that you gave earlier, yeah. Um, the problem with that is... If we, the, the thing that they fail to realize and think about that is that language, we would all believe, like we would argue that, yeah, it's a socially developed construct. Like the words yes. we create and we develop, like that's language. But language does not, like just because we call it a table doesn't mean it's not a table. Yeah, sure. That's just the way, way we use to describe it. What Whatever this substance is, mm-hmm. it's already there. Yes. But the way they are arguing it is as though language constructs reality. And not, yeah, not, which is, it's just crazy. And it's not livable. Yeah. But really what's happening is we've all agreed upon a sound that refers to a thing that actually exactly exists. and i wanted to touch on that because yeah. that's something that we pass by and we like you kind of tend to not even think about it because it just mm-hmm. there's a constant like piling of ideas here yeah. and sometimes you got to break it down to show that it's nonsense well, like and, that and this is what's interesting yeah. tyler is that postmodern philosophy doesn't work with um what we would call um verifiable scientific facts. So like um, (laughs) empiricism, right? The things you can sense with your five senses. Uh, It fails because this thing's here no matter what I call it. That's what I mean, We just call it table. But where postmodernism is thriving is in things that aren't physical, in the metaphysical realm of philosophy. That's where postmodernism is thriving. And that's why the transgender movement, Mm, and that's why all religions are the same. It's because they're not scientifically verifiable things. Because my inner self feels this way. You can't get any one of your five senses at that. Yeah. Or, um, uh, you know, this religion, Taoism says this, Christianity says this, Islam Mm. says this. How do we test it empirically? You can't test it empirically because it's not an empirical thing. Mm. So that's where postmodernism thrives is outside of the physical realm. That's a great way of putting it. But it fails miserably in the physical realm. Of course. And they know that too. They really do. Well, because none of them live by it. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I love that you brought that up because that's a really good point that it pretty much is just metaphysical. It, that's where it's thriving. And yeah. so the idea fails 
yeah, in the physical realm, but in metaphysical realities, like mm. the supernatural, which yeah. we both believe are real, but they're mm -hmm. not physical. That's where this is really thriving because it becomes everybody can do whatever they want. It's relativism. Everybody can believe their own type of spirituality. Everyone can make their own truth. Everyone can be who they mm. want to be. Um, so in, in morality, because morality isn't a physical thing. Right? Yeah, that's true. And in religion, that's where it thrives. Spiritual things, yeah. Yep. That's very fascinating. But you're absolutely right. And that's yeah. a great way of putting it. So uh, so now on to question number six to break this down now. Uh, the question is, how do we know what is right and wrong? Yep. Right? And so the idea here is that ethics is a linguistic construct. Kind of like just what like we were everything. talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. It just like everything. Uh, social good is whatever society takes it to be. So what you mentioned earlier, Dr. L uh, Martin Luther King, him being, uh, you know, this, this great social advocate, yeah. that's only good in the sense that because society deemed that it is because it was socially brought into that, which you, which you would have to say then at first it was bad. Yeah. Which nobody will say that. No one will, but it was. Because the truth of it is, all people are created equal. Mm -hmm. And that's an objective truth, no matter if we believe it or not. You're right. You so, are absolutely but, right. But if you believe this, you'd have to say, at first it was bad, but then once he gained traction and convinced people through his story, then it became good. But you would actually not just say, at first it was, and it, you have to like actually believe that at one point in time, it was bad. At one point in time, if you believe this, you'd yeah. have to say, at one point in time, it was good for slavery to exist. Yes, you are correct because the which is insane. You're you're right, and no nobody today would really say that. Like it just no. doesn't happen. And so the thing is, is you have to realize the inconsistencies here. Um, I have a quote from James Sire. He's actually the author of the book where we get these questions from. Uh, it says all narratives mask a play for power. Any one narrative used as a meta narrative is oppressive. That's yep. the idea. Well, now think about this, Tyler. We're living in a society where People are telling strong, aggressive stories. Doesn't matter if there's any objective truth to it. Mm -hmm. But if they're loud enough and they can convince enough people through slogans that their view is correct, then it is correct. That's that's the society we live in right now. Yeah, it is. That's what's going on. You know, you think about same-sex marriage <coughs> being passed. That's the issue. You think about the transgender movement that's going on. That's the issue. You think about BLM stuff. That's the issue. Yeah, it, it isn't. Critical race theory, right? It isn't, is this really happening? Critical race theory or any kind of critical theory uh, all developed from an atheistic worldview from the Frankfurt School in Germany. Yeah. And the, so, so already baseless, there is no God, there's no objective truth. And it comes down to these types of people in these certain socioeconomic classes have told the stronger story and have the power. And to flip that, you need to tell a stronger story. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that's what we're seeing happen on a lot of different levels. And so no one cares about lying anymore because truth is whatever you make it out to be. It is. It absolutely. It's scary. It's and sad. That's, that's how it is. So in order to like... Uh, live out this worldview, you have to think about it from the standpoint of that when stories are believed, the storyteller gains power over others. So in order yep. to reject oppression, like, I mean, let's say like Hitler, right? He yeah. was a bad man. He had a bad mentality that he was, that gained popular traction. Mm -hmm. So then what ended up happening though, was people came up and they rejected that, mm -hmm. which was the popular opinion in Germany. 
Yes. That was the idea. The rest of the world, pretty much, except sure. for Italy and Japan, you're right. yeah, rejected yeah, yeah. it. Absolutely, you're right. Yep. So, uh, But then people came up, they rose up, and they said, no, we must reject this idea. And so that's what happens. Uh, so you see this plays well, out. But this is important. This is an important yeah, distinction. Yeah. So, so you're right. The Nazi regime, World War II, developed a story that was really strong and it mobilized a lot of people to act in a certain way. Mm -hmm. The rest of the world came along and said, that's a bad story. Yeah. So yeah. that's a story they're telling. And the, the postmodernists wouldn't say either one was right or wrong. They would just say this one was more powerful and it won. But, but, yeah, but, but everyone yeah. would go, no, no, no. Nazi Germany was crazy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't according to this. It was just what their story was. Yeah. Because you, there's no big story that covers all stories. Yeah. And you apply that to any great uh, time of oppression throughout world history. Mm -hmm. The same thing has to be consistent for all of it. Yep. It's always just, it's not bad or good. It's just that overcame. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. It really, it really can break down to, I mean, the simple is might makes right. Whoever has the stronger story or can compel people <laughs> to believe the stronger story through persuasion or through propaganda or through force mm -hmm. becomes right. You, you see this in the Bible. Remember uh, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar is trying to make Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bow down to his golden image. Yeah, yeah. And what was the threat? I will kill you if you don't do this. Their lives You submit yeah. to the reality I'm telling you is true and the story I'm telling you. And they said, listen, we can't live according to that because it's not true. Mm, yeah. See, that's, that's what they're pushing is, no, yeah, whoever <laughs> tells the stronger story and can enforce it and mobilize people to do mm. it, that's, that's who gains the upper hand and it, is, becomes yeah. the oppressor. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is that there's no appeal to a higher good. The higher good is whatever those who have power in society choose to make it. That is yep. the ultimate. So there we go. Question number six. How do we know what is right and wrong? Yep. It just, you don't really. <laughs> it's whoever is it. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. It's, it's relative. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So now you get into what happens to a person at death. And again, there's a variety of people who have postmodern thought, but, but the philosophy itself assumes atheism is true yeah. or nihilism. So at death, a person is extinct because your thought ceases mm -hmm. and we become nothing because thought's all there is. Yeah. So thought, thinking your stops, thought you stop. and your matter, physical being, You're that's done. all that you are. So, yep. So yeah. that's question number four, simply. Uh, question number one, what is ultimate reality? They would say thought is ultimate reality and language creates meaning. Yeah. So that's, that's ultimate reality. So that's question four and question one. All right, Tyler, you do question two and seven to finish this out. Yeah, of course. So question number two, nature of external reality, right? The truth of reality itself is ever hidden from us. All we can do is tell stories, right? Like we talked about before. Yep. Uh, science, religion, history, meaning to life, scholastics, everything is just a story we have devised from language. And we pretend like these stories are helping us access the real world. Yeah, you're, you're right. And that, yeah. that's the idea. And so it's, it all comes down to external reality is formed based off of whatever we say that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, story that's, upon yeah. story upon story. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And so then uh, that's question number two. Question number seven, okay? What is the purpose of human history? Yeah, where's all this going? It's just story upon story among language. That's mm -hmm. all that it is. And and you can't argue realistically otherwise. And nobody's story is better than the others. Yeah. Some may be more powerful, but that doesn't mean they're better or more true. 
Yeah, some are more compelling. Mm-hmm. Some maybe more people resonate with it, and more people get behind it. More people say, I'll, "I'm attracted <clears throat> to that idea." Yep. But that's it. That's all that there is. Yep. Those are so, the seven basic questions according to postmodernism. Yeah. So now let's take a little bit and let's let's run it through how we critique these worldviews. We always ask the question: Is it logical? Is it factual? Is it livable? Mm-hmm. So the logical has to do with does it within itself um, logically flow or does it contradict itself just as a view, not in the real world? Factual becomes does it match up with how things actually are in the real world? Yeah. And then livable is can you adhere to it in your day-to-day life? Mm. All right. So let me talk about the logical side of it. Is postmodern thought logical? Uh, no. It's not yeah. logical. Uh, and and here's, here's a reason why it's not. The rejection of all meta-narratives. To, so to say there is no such thing as one story that encompasses everything and tells us what reality is, is in itself a meta-narrative. Yeah. They're claiming to tell you how all reality is by saying that. Yeah. And, so mm-hmm. so it's self-contradictory. It's cutting its legs out from under it. It's exactly. sawing the limb off that it's sitting on. Because if you say there is no meta narrative, that's supposed to be the meta narrative that applies to everybody. Yeah. It's it's self-contradictory. It's ludicrous. It's nonsense. So mm-hmm. that is illogical. Yeah, and I think people just get uh, tend to in this idea a lot of times they just get tunnel vision with that. That idea. Yeah. You you and you Bring yourself to a point of believing an idea so much yeah. that you come to ignore all the holes with it. And that, that's yep. just what happens. Well, it's the same, it's 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 the same as a lot of self-contradictory statements in our culture. Like yeah. when people say there is no truth. Is that true? Right? Yeah. Because you're claiming that there is a truth right. by saying yeah. that. It's the same with this. When people say there is no meta-narrative. That in and of itself is a meta narrative. Yeah, and that's where it's so like, you can't get out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nietzsche, uh, he said, "quote Truth is a mobile army of metaphors." End quote. The irony of that is that this statement itself is a mobile army of metaphors. Yeah, you see. So it he's he, it's, it's just like you, so you're in the system too, man. You're not outside the system telling right. us what it is. You're within it too, and so. Uh, Postmodern thought isn't logical because mm-hmm. it's self-contradictory. Absolutely. It can't, the terms of it don't apply to itself. So right. it isn't logical. Yep. And so now we're going to get into, is it factual, right? In the next part of this. So the idea that we cannot access reality and all we can do is tell stories based upon itself can't be trusted. Because how can I know if this statement is true if I can't access reality if it's just a story? Yeah. Is that just a story? Yeah, that's the thing. It's it, you have to think that through. You're like, is yeah. it just a story? Because because the thing is, is um, it, it goes back to exactly what you said. The whole thing just contradicts itself. Yeah, is the fact that we just tell stories a story I'm telling myself. Yeah, that, that's exactly. <laughs> it. Is it just is it just another story, right? Yeah. But then that would imply that there's something else behind that. So that would imply that it's not all made up of stories. Yeah, it's just what is. Yeah. And so, why should I be compelled to believe in postmodern story? Why shouldn't yeah. I be compelled to believe in the Christian story? Well, a lot of times they would just tell you. There's no difference. Their answer would be, well, they would tell you a lot of times. Yeah, well, just 
believe in what you're doing, but but don't yeah. push that on me. But yeah, they but they okay. think they're right. That's yeah, the crazy part. Is like correct. They think they're correct about how it applies <laughs> to everybody else when they're denying that it actually applies to everybody else. Yeah, it's yeah. not factual. Yeah, that's exactly it. So. Yeah. Is it factual? No. Uh, no. <laughs> that one's checked off. It's not. So let's talk about livability. Mm-hmm. Can you live out postmodernism? Well, again, like we said, nobody lives it out when it comes to the physical world. Right. Uh, money in your bank account, gas in your tank, food in your stomach, exercise for your body. You have to do all those things. You can't just think you're in shape and get in shape. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. So it doesn't work in the physical realm. But in the metaphysical realm, some people think you can apply it. But here's the problem with that. When they say that there's no real right or wrong, it's just stronger story, what every culture decides for itself, that's not livable because everyone on the planet believes that there are certain morals that are right and wrong for all people in all places at all times, Mm -hmm. right? Think about it like where we're at right now. The LGBT community thinks that they're right and everybody else needs to believe that that's the right way to live. Yeah, yeah. They believe in a objective moral standard. The Christian would say that's not true, right? I believe in objective truth, but that's not truly objective. Right. Yeah, right. That is a sin or that's a lie. Um, but but people believe that to have to apply to everybody. Everybody should accept this, right? I mean, right now, you know, the the United States is sending grant money to certain countries, third world countries, with the stipulations, with the strings attached, that they start performing abortions. What's the belief behind that? Well, the people that are pushing these stupid bills on other countries believe abortion is objective truth and everyone should be doing it. Yeah, they do. See, so so it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on with with anything. You believe that there are certain things that apply to everybody. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be trying to push that on other people. And that's yeah. what that's what laws do. Laws always legislate somebody's morality. They do. And people don't really think of it that way a lot of times, but it's, that's That's what they do. That is the honest truth of it is that laws enforce a a moral code. They enforce a morality and whether you agree with that or not, that doesn't matter. There, there is an objective out there Yep, and that's coming to a point of understanding. And everybody, and everybody believes there's an objective and that's why they're trying to get their opinions passed by law Mm -hmm. because they think it should apply to everybody. Yeah. They think that they are right. And everyone, and everyone else, else is wrong. Is yeah, exactly. Wrong. Yeah. So, so the idea that moral relativism is true is unlivable because everybody doesn't live it. Yeah. Everybody thinks yeah. there are things that apply to everyone else. And so there you have it, right? That's, yep. That is postmodernism. That is yep. the idea here. It, it's clearly after breaking down the seven questions, it, um, we have an understanding that it is not uh, logical factual or livable. Yep. The other thing too, that's interesting with the livability of it is when Nietzsche was developing these thoughts, which it is an interesting thought. What if thought springs forth ontology Sure. versus I can doubt, but I can't doubt that I exist. Therefore I exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when Nietzsche was doing this, he was basing it on what? His own human reason. I was going to say, yeah, his own right? thinking. His own thinking. So he's assuming that his thinking is sufficient to figure things out. Yeah. But how can you know that? It's just a story. So he's contradicting himself in the, yeah, the question. See, in well, itself? it's just yeah. it's, it's it's not livable because you can't really access truth. Yeah. But to claim we figured out what's really going on, no, you haven't. You're just telling a different story. No. 
So it's not livable, it's not factual, and it's not logical. But it is playing out a lot in our culture when it comes to sexuality and religion. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Not so much exercise and diet. It's Isn't that funny? People understand that. Like those are physical things. Yeah. Metaphysical things, it's a it's a free-for-all. And moral yeah. relativism rules the day. So that's basically postmodernism. Um, a lot more you could read on it, a lot more you could check out um, on how it's seeping actually into the evangelical church, which is called progressive Christianity. Yeah. But all that means is postmodern Christianity. Um, but be aware of it and know the thoughts behind it so you can you can see it and you can shoot it down and show now it's self-contradictory. Yeah. No, I don't believe that it's just about stories. I believe that it's telling what actually describes reality, not just a story that's strong. Exactly. That's not what we're after here. We're after what's really out there. It's called reality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Called reality. And, and, and that's the thing. We have to also uh, like realize, too, when you, you go through a study like this, like what we just broke down with you, you guys, it's really uh, helpful as a tool in Christ, like in Christianity to um, realize with uh, ideas like postmodernism, there is an objective truth out there. There yep. is an objective morality. There is objective laws. There are things that are real, both yep. in the metaphysical and the physical. And hopefully by pushing through this and studying postmodernism, that has given you a mental structure in your mind about how to think about reality, how to mm -hmm. think about these other worldviews that are out there. Because you'll tend to find that even like you yourself like might be contradicting yourself with the way that you live your life yeah. in a lot of ways. And hopefully this episode has brought in light to some of those areas and thinking of being consistent and being in a logical lifestyle, right? Because yep. we have to live in reality. That's we, the goal. We have to live in reality. To discover what's out there and to live accordingly. <laughs> Exactly. That's, that's what we need. The unexamined life is not worth living. Yes, there we go. We need to think and we need to live according to what's actual. So, hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We'll be next week to finish up our series on Worldview. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.